Father, we're grateful. Very grateful for the light of the world in whom we have hope. So thank you. Thank you for being our hope. Thank you for giving us a hope that is not temporary but eternal. Thank you for giving us yourself, loving us like you do. Right now, Lord, you know that there are marriages that are hanging on by a string. There are families who are going through dark times. There are bills that are coming and paychecks that are not. There are worries and circumstances that are beyond our control. Lord, some of us are fighting for a, a few minutes of clean time. And other of us, Lord, are just, I just feel our minds slipping away. And Lord, either way, come, be with us. Strengthen us, help us to see you as glorious. Help us to put our hope in you, living for, longing for, desiring only you. Would you make that true? Make that true in our hearts. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Welcome. Welcome to the Recovery House of worship. We have been in a series for the last good night. It's been like five weeks we've been in this series. And uh, it's called The Waiting Room. And so what's The Waiting Room, right? Well, The Waiting Room is the place in life that we all will find ourselves in. The Waiting Room is when life stops being what you're used to, but before life starts being what you hope for. The waiting room is when normal gets blown to bits and aspiration is nowhere in sight. The waiting room is when you walk through the door and your spouse says, I don't want to be with you anymore. And it just like hits you out of nowhere and you find yourself in the waiting room. The waiting room is when the doctor says, sit down for this one. Amen. The, waiting room, the waiting room is when you realize that your child is not the angel that you thought he was. The waiting room is when the finances are upside down. The waiting room is when someone that you trusted, you find out was someone that wounded you in deep, deep ways. Normal is no longer what exists and what you wish would exist is not here. That's the waiting room. And we all, we all will find ourselves either in a series of waiting rooms throughout our lives or we'll find ourselves in the waiting room for our lives. And so we, we looked at this series and one of the things that we wanted to avoid was sort of Christian glib platitudes. We didn't want to say, oh, but don't worry, your miracle's coming. We didn't want to say things like, oh, but it's all right because, you know, God is going to get you out of this one. Because how many know sometimes 
That just doesn't happen. And I think that we miss the Christian message when that's what we, when our hope is not in Christ, but our hope is found in getting out of this one. We miss, we miss the Christian message. Because the Christian message is that our hope is in Christ. And so we've been asking one question. By the way, if you're new to the Recovery House of Worship, we are so grateful that you're here. Um, and if you're new or you're here for the first time, we know, right? Like your weird meter gets tripped. It's like, oh my gosh, these songs and these people standing up. And, and uh, yeah, it, you know, we go through all that sort of stuff. I know when I first came to a church environment like this, my weird meter was totally tripped. And I was like, okay, I think I should leave now. Um, it might just get weirder before it's over, so brace yourself. Um, I hope not too weird. I hope not too weird. But what we've been saying, what we do here at Arhau, the reason I said that if you're new, um, what we do here at Arhau is that we take a topic, a subject, an idea, and we take that one idea and we drill deep on that one idea. We just keep on hitting this one. In this series, it was a question that we decided we were going to take five weeks to answer, five weeks to answer this one question. And it was this, what do you do when there's nothing left to do? What do you do when there's nothing else that you can do? What do you do when you've, when you've done bribed, manipulated, coerced, raged out, threatened? When you've done everything you know to do to change the circumstances in your life, what do you do when none of that works and you're still in the waiting room? What do you do? And so we've taken five weeks to answer that question. And briefly, I'll take you down a stroll down what we've learned. In week one, we learned, uh, don't forget, God remembers, so I'll wait on him. And basically what we said is we don't forget, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. God remembers that he'll never leave or forsake us. We never, we're never out of God's mind. And since those two things are true, we'll wait on him. And remember what we said about waiting? It's just patiently pursuing. Well, week two, now you can get all these messages on the internet, either at our website or on our podcast. Feel free, but I'm just going to quickly go through this for the sake of getting to this week's message. Part two, we said, um, anybody remember? It was, I can't, he can, through me. Right? I can't, he can, through me. So here's, so if you ever find yourself, right, you're, you're going through the door and you don't know which spouse you're going to get, right? You don't know if you're going to get happy-go-lucky spouse or encouraging spouse or flame-throwing dragon spouse, right? And so you just go, and just before the door, you go, oh God, I can't take this anymore. I can't do it. And he goes, finally, we agree. Of course you can't do it. You were never meant to. I can't. But then Jesus says, but you know what? I can. And I can do it through you. I can, listen, I can, in an insecure marriage, I can make you secure. In a lonely singleness, I can make you comforted. In a dark place of divorce, I can give you assurance. 
You see, you, you might say, I can't. And that's the point. You were never meant to. He can. I can't take the sickness anymore. Good, now we finally agree. But he can. Through you. And then part three, we said, uh, week three. You see, you should come to church more often. I mean, it's just an awesome series. You should, if those of you who didn't come, you missed out. Okay. Um, part three was, we don't deny. Here's, here's the third answer to the question, what do you do when there's nothing else to do? The third answer to the question is, we don't deny, we learn to cry, and on Christ we rely. Amen. Don't deny, learn to cry, on Christ rely. So we said, we don't deny. We don't act like the stuff doesn't hurt. We don't act like it's not tragic. We don't act like, oh, well. No, we don't deny. We see it. This is horrible. This is terrible. This is a betrayal. This is evil. This is painful. We don't say things like, oh, but at least it's not as painful as, oh, don't worry, God will get you out of this. Yeah, yeah, those two things might be true, but that's not the point. The point is, is that we come to the Lord saying, this is horrible. This is painful. I don't know if I can take the... We, go, we don't deny it. We learn to cry. Remember what we said? Crying is not just tears. Crying is calling out to God, raising up your sleeves. None of these cute little prayers like, oh God, you know, uh, give me wisdom for this day. You know, which is fine. You and I need wisdom for the day. I'm not making fun of that. What I'm just saying is that there are some prayers that are more severe than that. I, I, man, I love when people go, you know, I only pray, you know, I, I don't pray for God. I don't pray to God for anything. And I go, man, you haven't lived my life. I pray to God for a whole bunch of stuff. God, get me, oh my, oh my, please God, help me here in this specific thing. And if you're looking for opinions, here's mine. This is the outcome I would like to see. We, we go to God and we learn to cry out to him. So we don't deny, we learn to cry. And on Christ, we rely. And we say, you know what? No matter where we are, what do we do when you don't know what to do? We, we rely on Jesus. He's going to give strength. His joy is going to be ours. We pray that into our souls. You go, if you're having a bad marriage, you go, oh man, this marriage is really difficult. But one day, there'll be the perfect, perfect marriage of the Lamb where I'll have finally a perfect spouse. And, and He will be all the joy that I need. You see, so we learn to rely on Christ. And last week, we said uh, that while, we, we, we answered the question, God, what are you doing while I'm in the waiting room? What are you doing while I'm suffering? We said, well, while I'm waiting, God is working. While I'm waiting, God is working. That he's not idle. He's not turned his back on you. He's not ignoring you. While you're waiting, while you're going through the suffering, while you're going through the difficulty, God is working something inside your souls. Well, that's, that's the series this, this week, we're going to dig a little bit deeper. Now, at the end, everybody has that, like, uh, orange, thank you, orange paper. Do you have that orange paper? You're going to need that at the end. Now, here's the thing with the orange paper. Um, what I want you to fill out there is your waiting room, whatever your waiting room is. Do you know what your waiting room is? I bet you do. Maybe it's a difficult marriage. Maybe it's a failing health. Maybe it's a clean time that you can't put together. Maybe it's a discouragement in a relationship. Maybe, maybe your kids have gone the way of the world. Maybe. Maybe your parents are dying. 
I don't know. But there's, there's a waiting room experience that you're experiencing now. And if you don't have one, that's cool. Just pray. Take in what you're hearing now and ready yourself because it'll come. I mean, it comes for everyone. You, you notice this? That doctor's reports do not have for Christians and for non-Christians. You know, doctor's reports are just for doctors. They're just doctor's reports. It doesn't matter what you believe in terms of your faith or anything like that. You see, suffering will come to all of us, whether we're in Christ or not. And so I need you to take this series seriously. And if you don't now, you will. You will. So I want you to take that paper and I want you to write down whatever your waiting room experience is. Today, as we look to the text, we're going to discover that God um, has, has given us purpose even in our suffering. And so um, we're going to read the text. It's from Paul. But before we do, let me tell you, Paul has just finished talking to the Corinthians. We're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And he had just finished talking to the Corinthians about this glorious gospel, the good news. You know what the gospel is, right? The gospel is that you're more grimy than you think. That you're more nasty than you possibly believe. The gospel is, is that you're worse than you ever dreamt. That's the gospel. And that Jesus loves you more than you could possibly imagine. That he knows you're dirty, he knows you're grimy, he knows you're sleazy, he knows you're nasty, and he still loves you with a perfect love. That's why they call it good news. Because that means that you don't have to come to God with your nice clothes and with your nice perfume and with your nice uh, attitude for an hour, hour and a half, maybe. No, no, no. You come to God grimy, nasty. You come to God as you are. And he loves you anyway. Isn't that interesting? That's the gospel. Well, Paul speaks about the gospel, and he says, we have this glorious gospel. We have this unbelievable truth. We have this amazing story, truth to believe from God. But we have it in jars of clay. We're weak. We're easily broken. We're devastated sometimes. And so Paul, after telling us about that, he goes into this verse that we're about to read. And listen, this verse is for sufferers. This verse is for people who have proclaimed Christ. This verse is for those of us who are in Christ, who are experiencing great pain. It's for you. It's for where you're at. So our tradition is that we stand at the reading of God's word. We're going to read God's word now. And I want you to read with a robust, loud, excited voice. On the count of three, okay? You ready? One, two, three. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly, yet inwardly, for our light and momentary and eternal glory. So we fix our eyes since what is seen 
but what is unseen. This is God's word. Please have a seat. So I forgot to tell you this. I need you to know at the end of this service, I'm going to be asking for those of you who find yourself in the waiting room experience to either pray where you are or you can come up and be prayed for. You can just come to the front and just start praying and someone will come behind you and pray for you. Um, also, we're going to have communion. And the reason I tell you this at the outset is because I want you to be giving these troubles, concerns, these weights, these sufferings. I want you to be giving them unto the Lord because he's here for you right now. You don't even have to wait till I finish my sentence. He's here for you right now, this moment. Paul goes into, after he speaks about the jars of clay, about how weak he is, but about how powerful the gospel is. He goes and he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Now, whenever you're reading the Bible, I want you to read the Bible intelligently. Big ideas hinge on small words. Things like therefore, but, for, although, so, if. These are huge words that we need to focus on. What Paul is doing is he's connecting the jars of clay, the gospel that's in uh, his body, his weak, feeble body, but it's a powerful gospel. He says, since we're weak and we're dying and we're feeble, but the gospel is powerful. Therefore, since that's true, we do not lose heart. And for some of you, that's all you need for today. You just don't lose heart. Your, your faith is not in the circumstance. Your faith is in Christ. Your faith is not in an outcome. Your faith is in Christ. And your faith is not in the achieving or the receiving of any particular goal. Your faith is found in Christ. Paul says, therefore... We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Though there's this truth that I'm dying. There's this truth that life is slipping me by. There's this truth that I'm suffering. We're not denying that. There's another truth, though. Outwardly, we could see what's going on with me. Inwardly, sometimes it's not so easy to see. Outwardly, we are wasting away. And some of, listen, we don't, I don't need any convincing that outwardly I'm wasting away. It took me 20 minutes to do my hair like this because I know that outwardly <laughs> I'm wasting away. And you guys go, wow, it doesn't seem like much. To cover all the bald places, it's a lot of work. You know why? You know why? Because outwardly I'm wasting away. Listen, <laughs> don't laugh at me too much, ladies, because some of y'all are Maybelline out, right? 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 You think that's your normal hair color. I understand. I understand. L'Oreal and Maybelline are your best friends. I know. I know. And you know why you cover up those grays? Do you know why? Because outwardly you're wasting away. Life is, life is a vapor. We're not going to last forever. Outwardly, we're wasting away. Listen, but there's another truth that's happening. While you're in your suffering, while you're in it, listen, while the doctor is finishing saying, we found cancer. 
while the spouse is, you're reading the note from the spouse that says goodbye. While you're thinking of how you can possibly bail the child out of this one. While you're discouraged with the medical reports that keep on coming back with a worse prognosis. While all this is happening, while outwardly devastation and death is visible to all, inwardly, something else is happening. Inwardly, there's a renewal that's taking place. Inwardly, there's something that's going on in the soul. It's happening because Christ is doing it for the Christian. If you don't know Christ, I don't know how to encourage you in your suffering. I wish I did. I'm not saying that as a joke at all. I'm saying I don't know how. Like when you're suffering, like what am I going to tell you? Make your time count. If you don't know Jesus or if you're an atheist or don't believe in God, think about this. When we say make the best of your life, it's meaningless if there's no God. From what we know, of this, from, the, from what scientists tell us, even the sun will one day stop. There'll be nobody to remember whatever you thought was meaningful. What you thought was meaningful is less than what a, is less than what a fly thinks is meaningful. It's meaningless if there is no God. Listen to me. But if you're in Christ, and by the way, if you're not in Christ, you have an opportunity to come to him. Nobody wants you to come to Christ more than Christ. Nobody. Not your mama, not your brother, not your, nobody wants you to come to Christ more than he does. He's proven it. Outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly, there's something happening. For the, for the faithful follower of Christ, there is something that he's working in our souls that is of greater wealth and of greater price than this outward circumstance. You go, but you don't understand my circumstance. Yeah, it's all right. I don't, I don't need to understand your circumstance. Jesus does. Yeah, but I can't get five days clean together. That's all right. Outwardly, you're wasting away. Inwardly, Jesus is doing something in you. Verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles. Now, let me ask you something. Let's say those few words together for our light and momentary troubles, okay? One, two, three. For our light and momentary troubles. Now, let me ask you something. When you're suffering, who here says, oh, you know, this is just light and momentary? Who just like jumps up and says that, right? When you're like going through the thick of it, Right? When you get the horrible report, when your body's failing you, when, you know, the relational issues are coming up, when your insecurities start exploding outside, and you go, oh, man, this is just as light as a feather and as momentary as a sneeze, man. This is like that. Who does that? That's crazy. When you're going through an enormous amount of stuff, people who talk like this, they make you want to punch them in the face. Isn't that true? <laughs> but yet, now, now watch this. I'm not, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to God's word. I love God's word. But it makes us think for a moment. Sometimes we read too quickly. The guy who wrote this would have his head removed from his shoulders. Light and momentary. He would have his head removed from his shoulders after years of being imprisoned 
Not for any crime that he committed, but for the gospel's sake. People just didn't want him to spread the gospel. The guy who wrote this, that guy, he not only endured prison and endured, uh, well, had his head removed, but he endured being shipwrecked, having a snake bite him, beatings. He endured all sorts of slanders and lies about him. And he says, take all of that together. You know what it all adds up? Light, momentary. How could you say that, Paul? How could you say that? Because of the next line. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Do you see what he's doing? He's using light and momentary and he's juxtaposing them to eternal and outweighs. Do you see that? He's going, it's light because there is something weighty. It's momentary in comparison. Not that, you're, you know, that the thing that you're suffering with for the last 13 years is momentary, like he's making light of it. But what he's saying is, is that when you see Christ face to face, when you're, fi when you're finally before your maker, it'll be like, oh, that was nothing in comparison. You go, no, 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 that's not true. It's, because all you see is what you see. All you see is what you're experiencing. All you see is, listen to me, listen to me. It's like nothing. Do you remember, do you remember when you were like uh, 12 years old and you had a crush or 14 or whatever it was and you had a crush on that person that just broke your heart? They just said, oh, they'd never want to be with you and you thought that that was the end of the world. Does anybody else have an experience like that, right? I have like 700 of them, okay? <laughs> But you surely, right? You have one, at least one of them, right? And then do you remember your wedding day? On your wedding day, did you ever think for one second about that moment? No, you don't. On your wedding day, there's not, listen, there's not a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you've had in the past that even holds a candle to the joy that you experience on your wedding day or on the day you got engaged, or on the day you fell in love with the next person, right? Isn't it true? Listen, true story, right? If someone that you love breaks up with you on Tuesday, and then you find the man of your dreams on Friday, somehow you don't even think about that other guy, right? It's like no big deal. You know why? Because when that which comes that's weightier totally erases that which is lighter. And at one point, when you were 16 and you thought your whole life was over, now it's just like a, it's like a dull gray memory. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, you think your suffering is great because all you see is your suffering. But when you see Jesus face to face, it's like no big deal. It would be like um, get, getting told that, oh, your uncle who you never knew, he died and he left you $50 million. And so you jump into your 1986 Toyota Camry, right? And you get, you get, you get in your, your car and you're driving and your car breaks down. And you're like, 
who cares? So what? Like, could you imagine? Could you imagine walking like the extra five miles going, I can't believe this. God is not like you with me anymore. Like you're walking towards the $50 million payoff. And you're like, God, it's like you don't love me. It's like you have it out for me or something. Could you imagine saying that? You wouldn't say that. You know why you wouldn't say that? Because you're headed for a huge payoff. Listen to me. That's what this life is. Outwardly, it looks tremendous because all you see is your suffering. But that brings us to our big idea for today. Listen to me. We fix our eyes not on our suffering, but on our Savior. Because when we fix our eyes on our suffering, all we feel, all we see, all we sense is our suffering. But Jesus says, no, 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 I want you to fix your eyes on me. We fix our eyes not on our suffering, but on our Savior. Which leads us into our next verse. So, everybody say so. So. Since everything that I just said about 16 and 17 is true, here are the here are the repercussions. Here's how you should be. Here's what you should do as a result of what I just taught you in verse 16 and 17. So, since this is true, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Because there is something that's far greater and it lasts forever, but you don't see it. See, when we're in the waiting room, sometimes it's tough to see the cross, at least in our own lives. Like when I'm in the waiting room, it's tough for me to see the cross. You might see the gospel easily. You might see the cross in my waiting room with no problem, but I can't see it. I can't see it because all I'm focusing is on my waiting room. All I'm focusing is on my suffering. All I'm focusing is on my suffering. But when you see it, you can go, oh, wait, no, I can see God's hand in your life. I can see God doing something. Listen to me. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. God is doing something in your waiting room. He's doing something in your soul. He's working on your heart. You go, but I don't see it. It's not for you to see. It's okay if you don't see it. God is, we can trust that God is doing it. It goes, but it doesn't make any sense. It's so meaningless and senseless. The boy got killed. He was just a little boy running across the street to grab a ball, and he got killed by that car, and I just can't believe that there's any. Listen, just because you don't see it in your suffering doesn't mean that God is not achieving something, doing something. Ask me what it is. I don't know. I'm not God. But God is doing something, and it's when we lose sight of that that our suffering becomes true suffering. That our suffering becomes weightier than it needs to be. When you and I are in our waiting room, you can't see the gospel working in my life, but I can promise you that it is. And I want to submit to you that just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. Please don't be that arrogant to think that because you can't see it, that God can't see it. That you, you don't see God working in your life doesn't mean uh, at all that God isn't working in your life. You know, uh, there's uh, in, in Africa, there's these little itty-bitty uh, bugs that in fact have a, a bite that is far, far disproportionate to their size. They're so tiny 
they're so tiny that they could fit through a mesh. You know, like, you know, the, the, the mesh that you would have, like a, you have, some of us have screens on our windows to not let flies in. They're so tiny, they fit through the holes of that. And you know what they're called? They're called noceums. You know why? Because you know see them. <laughs> right. Now watch this. When you and I are suffering, when we pull back the curtain on our suffering, and we look into the tent of our suffering, we look in and we go, I, it just seems so meaningless. I have no idea. God, what are you doing? This, this just doesn't make any sense. But just because you know see them doesn't mean it's not there, that there's not a purpose, that there's not a reasoning, that there's not. And so since that's true, he says, we fix our eyes, we focus, we preach this to ourselves. Every morning, even as the hair is falling out of our head, hair is falling out of our heads because of the chemo. Even as we wake up and we look on the bed and we see it empty, yet one more morning. Even as the child is, lives in rebellion and waywardness for another day, even though those things are happening, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I had, um, and uh, Sam is going to come up to sing a song. Did you think of the thing that you're suffering with, the thing that you're going through, the thing that you're experiencing? Have you written it down? Amen. Something that I think illustrates this really well is I have a friend who, and man, some of you have heard me tell this story before, but I think it's one of the most powerful things of God doing some powerful work in the life of somebody, even though they didn't see it. Uh, he was a young man. And he, uh, he would pray every day. Somebody told him that if you prayed, that God would answer prayers. Amen. And so he prayed every day that his, his papi, his daddy, would come home. And so he, he prayed every day that his daddy would come home, and every day his daddy never came home. And so after praying that for a long, long, like years, he came to a conclusion, well, since I can't see God working, God must not love me. Since I don't see God answering, since I can't see God getting me out of the waiting room, God must not love me. He decided then that he would live his life. Since God, you're my enemy. Since you don't love me, I don't love you. I'm going to live life going to hell on a greased pole. And he did. He was smoking crack before, he was six, before his 16th birthday. He was smoking crack. He had been arrested. He had gone to detoxes. His life was a mess. Years later, he got clean, though. It was miraculous, actually. He no longer used drugs. And after being clean for some years, he was having a conversation with his older sister. And as he was talking to his older sister, he, they started to talk about God and the answering of prayers and such. And he told her, he said, you know, when, when I was a kid, I, 
I prayed that God would bring daddy home. And he never did. He never did. And I thought that that meant that God hated me. And she stopped him because her eyes opened up. She said, you were praying for daddy to come home when you were a kid? And she said, I was praying that daddy would never come back home. Because there were some awful things that happened. Some terrible things that occurred. Now, he couldn't see the cross in his waiting room. He couldn't see that God was working for his benefit and for his sister's benefit. But God was. And so you and I may not see the very thing that we're going through. We might not see the reasoning behind it. We might not see the results of why we go through it, but we can trust that God is working. He's achieving. He's working something in our souls. You go, but I've been struggling with this for years. God is working something. But it feels like vanity. It feels so purposeless. Don't listen. God is working out a purpose in it. You go, but I've been here for so long. It's light and momentary in comparison to the eternity and the eternal joy that you'll experience in heaven. Listen. So you have those papers. The big idea for today was that we fix our eyes not on what is seen. I'm sorry, we fix our eyes not on our suffering, but on our Savior. So, as you're thinking through your suffering, your difficulty, and as you feel led by the Spirit, I want you to write across this. I will fix my eyes not on my suffering, but on my Savior. Because even if I can't see the cross in my circumstances, I know, I know that God is not far from me. I know that he's in the waiting room with me. I know that he'll never leave nor forsake. We fix our eyes not on our suffering, but on our Savior. So as you're praying, Sam's going to sing a song about being broken and finding Jesus enough. I want you to stay seated. I know some of you can't even help yourself. You have to stand if you hear a Christian song. I want you to stay seated and let it wash over you. And let God minister to your souls as Sam sings. I come, God, I come, return to
and preach his word into your mind until your heart sings with That was John Piper preaching. You should listen to all his sermons and write, read his books. It's tremendous. John Piper. It's great. So there's a work that God is doing in your soul in the waiting room. That we don't have to lose heart because the work that he's doing is of eternal and weighty value. And our suffering, if it lasts eight minutes or 80 years will be nothing in comparison to the glory we'll experience with him. So if you find yourself in that waiting room experience where you're suffering and all that, and you just need to be prayed for, there are people in this room that will pray for you. Uh, you could pray at your seat and that's fine, but if you want you to, to come up to the front here, people will pray for you and beg Jesus for your situation, help you in your circumstance. So you can feel free to come up at any time and we'll pray for you while Sam sings. <laughs> 